0: Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thanks, Rochelle. Amazing. You guys can be seated. Happy Thanksgiving week. Who's excited? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to eat. Get those stretchy pants out. Am I right? Um, I... I know that the holidays can be a time of celebration and joy and happiness. And I also know for others who may have lost loved ones or who are, they've just had strained relationships with their families. I know it can be sometimes difficult as well. And so I just want to encourage each and every one of us that, Truly, um, as cheesy as this is, Jesus really is the reason for the season. He's the reason for every season. But I encourage each and every one of us in the midst of these coming holidays to really just find God in the midst of it all, find the Holy Spirit, press into him, press into his love, um, and he will fill us with everything we need. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So, uh, with that, with it being Thanksgiving, I just want to do something that, um, we do as a family, Erin and I, and our kids, uh, a couple of years ago, we read this Brené Brown book. Brené Brown is like, uh, she has her PhD in social work and she does a lot of kind of self-help, like encouragement type books, um, boundaries and relationships and all that awesome stuff. But she has this one section in one of her books that we read about practicing gratitude, And gratitude isn't something that necessarily comes naturally. It's something we have to practice at and work at. And so every night around the dinner table, we practice gratitude with our kids and we say what we're thankful for from that day, even if it's been like the worst day on earth. (laughs) And you're like digging really deep. You're, you know, you're like, I'm thankful for my family. (laughs) Even though I wanted to like, (sighs) anyways, all day not going to say that on camera. I don't want to <laughs> ever have that recorded. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, so why don't we take a moment? Let's just close our eyes where you are. And I want you to, even if you're not feeling it to just dig deep for a second and practice your gratitude with God. Just tell him something you're thankful for this morning. Awesome. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving and gratitude, it's it's worship to God and it helps reattune our hearts and our spirits. And so as we go into this week of Thanksgiving and then every week after that, would we just express gratitude in our hearts towards the Lord. So it's my joy today to continue our legacy series. Aaron did an amazing job last week, kicking it off. And he spoke about um, living a purpose-driven life and the purpose and the goal of our lives should be to love God with everything that we have, that is the the chief purpose and end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. And so today I'm going to be speaking on, um, covenant God, the God of the generations. If you're taking notes, there it is. So God is a God of generations. And we see in the Bible that he, he shows the generations, his goodness by making a covenant with his people throughout the earth. Um, one of the covenants that he makes with Abraham is that he is going to bless him and he's going to bless his, his generations that come after him and they are going to be blessed to be a blessing. And God has brought us into that eternal covenant, even though we might not necessarily be Jews, we are Gentiles. We've been brought into the covenant and the family of God been grafted in through Jesus Christ, and now we get to be part of this incredible blessing and covenant that God has for the generations. So what is covenant? Covenant, um, there's two different words that are translated in the Bible for covenant. The first one is bereith, and that's in the Old Testament. It appears about 280 times, and then we have diatheke, diatheke, I actually wrote out like how to phonetically say it because I just know. Um, and that appears about 33 different times in the New Testament and kind of the, the origins of these words, the meanings of these words have been debated throughout time. One of them, uh, is maybe thought to be about gathering around, um, food and kind of eating together. Another one is about sacrifice and the cutting in half of, of the animal, but kind of the, the most common Uh, description for the word covenant is a bond that is formed between two different parties and it's a promise that it binds them together. Okay. So the covenant that God makes in this Bible, in this Abrahamic covenant is a multi-generational blessing. And in Genesis 15, when God makes this covenant with him, he's saying that anyone that comes from the lineage is going to be blessed as well. His descendants not just abraham but then isaac will be blessed and his uh, son will be blessed and then jacob will be blessed and his 12 sons will be blessed and we see this generational blessing being passed down that there is a significance god holds a high significance on the generations and the blessing that comes and is passed down and inherited through the generations so when god blesses a father the son also gets to receive and, and take hold of the blessing that is given to the father. So what that means is the blessings that have come through your past generational line are blessings that you get to partake in and promises that you get to partake in. But maybe you don't come from a family that is godly and you're the first generation Christian. Well, that means that now the promises and the blessings that God has for you, you get to them passed down through the generations. And today, as I'm talking about generations and I'm talking about mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, you may not have your own children, but you can take that and, and apply it as spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers. Amen? Amen? All right. So for 10 years, Aaron and I, we started out in youth ministry. And there was something in me where um, I was like, I feel like I need to be more than just a receiver here in the local church. And I need to be a contributor and give my life away to something or to someone. And so we were part of the, we were the youth pastors here. And for 10 years, we'd show up every Wednesday night except for like Thanksgiving and Christmas and, um, shout out to some of our youth crew over there that anyways. Yeah. But we, we saw it as this incredible opportunity to bless and pour into the generation that was coming up behind us. I don't know if you know about what people face, but what the youth today are facing, what the students are facing is so much different than what I was facing. I was leading an 11-year-old through ministry who was struggling with an eating disorder. I had students who were suicidal and on um, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, um, in middle school, and the social media kind of storm and all the pressure that school and applying for the colleges and getting in and all the things that they carry, I felt called to give of myself to these students when I knew no one could ever pay me back in anything. I'm not giving it to get something, but there's something powerful about when you give your life away to someone or something that you get to partake in that generational blessing that God has reserved for the generations. And some of you may have a similar story. There may be areas of this church or areas outside of this church where you've given of your life and you've poured in And God has a blessing in that. So let's turn to our Bibles. We also have it on the screen behind me. But Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 15. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you with great and good cities that you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, And vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear him, or you shall fear him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from the face of the earth." All right, so my first point in my sermon today is that God is a generational God. The God of the scripture, the God of the Bible that we read about, he is a generational God. In verse 10, Moses is saying to the Israelites, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's putting on display who he is and his character and his nature. That he is a God who will be remembered through all the generations and he, he wants to be worshipped, not just by one generation, but by all generations. He's creating a generational people. People who aren't just thinking about themselves and their life, but are thinking about the generations. And God bringing in the generations here to display his goodness until the whole world knows his glory. Amen. I want you to look around this room today. We have all different generations. We have them in the side rooms that you can't see. (laughs) We've got babies. We've got toddlers. We've got kids. We've got middle schoolers. We've got high schoolers. We've got young adults, college students. We've got young families, middle-aged people. We've got grandparents. We've got great-grandparents. This is what God wants, This is how he wants his people represented. He doesn't want a room just filled with one group of people. He wants a multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial people that display what he cares about, that display who he is. In Latin, there's the word imago Dei, which means the image of God. So we are all created in the image of God. And when we invite Christ into our life, when he becomes our Lord and savior, we become become one with him and what he burns for we burn for and what he does, we get to do. So if God is a forgiving God, we have an invitation to walk in forgiveness. If God is a loving God, we have an invitation to walk in love. If God pursues people, we have an invitation to pursue people. If God is a generational God, then we too get to be a generational people. Jesus in Matthew 22, he even refers to his father as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the Bible starts saying things over and over again, you start to listen. You're like, okay, this must be important. So if God is calling himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then it must be important to him. The blessing, the covenant, the generational blessing that comes when we walk in a family and a unit of, uh, gener- of multi-generations. So turn to someone next to you and say, I need you and you need me because together, collectively, I can't be a generational people or person without you. I can't do that without walking beside and doing life with people who are at a different stage than me whether they're older than me or they're younger than me. I can't fulfill that if I'm not walking with that or in that. And this is all over scripture. Even in Malachi, the last words in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, verse 6, it says here, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. And as believers, there's going to be a time where we're going to stop only thinking about our personal relationship with him. And we're going to start thinking about how we can honor the older generation and how we can fuel the younger generation. Because the older generation has something something so incredible that we can learn from, that we can glean from, the things they've seen, the things they've walked through, the prayers they pray, the wisdom they carry. That's something that we need. And then there's something so amazing about the younger generation that we need to, they're passionate, they're hungry, they're ready to go after things. And we need to equip, fuel, empower, and launch that younger generation. We need both. We need to honor the older generation and we need to fuel and launch the younger generation. And this is counterintuitive to what the world has to say, right? And the world can be very dishonoring when it comes to these types of things. They write people off. And they say, oh, the, even the phrase boomer, right? We've heard that? The boomer? Like, oh, boomer. Meaning like, oh, the older generation, they're stubborn. They're stuck in their ways. This is not me. Don't quote me. This, this is the world. But they'll say, they're stuck in their ways. They don't understand us. They don't listen. They don't care. And then you have the, the older generation looking down on the younger generation. And they're like, they don't know what hard work is. They've never worked a day in their life. They, they don't understand truth. Right? Have you guys heard this narrative? Or it was just, just me. Okay. So this is countercultural to what the world is saying. Of us saying, actually, we need to honor the older generation and fuel that younger generation. We need every generation to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Point number two, fathers and mothers are God's vehicle for evangelism and discipleship. Fathers and mothers are God's vehicle for evangelism and discipleship. So Moses in this, in this passage, he's encouraging the Israelites. He's saying to them in Deuteronomy six, he's saying, don't be tempted to not tell the next generation all that God has done and his blessings because your bellies are full. Don't be tempted. He says here, You're going to live in cities and homes that you did not build, that you did not fill. You're going to receive things that you didn't even have to, that you don't deserve, right? You're going to receive these blessings. He says, your cisterns are going to be full, which are your wells. These are wells that you didn't have to dig. Your olives and vineyards, you're going to receive olives and vineyards. And all these crops are going to grow. And there's going to be a bountiful harvest. Did you know an olive, an, uh, like an olive farm and a vineyard, in order for them to become vintage, they need years of peace. They need to be unsettled, or not, sorry, they need to not, they need to be settled <laughs> for years. They need to be undisturbed. So also what he's saying here is there's going to be years of peace, not war. In order for your crops to be able to have a chance to grow. And he's, he's warning the Israelites saying, do not be tempted to shut your mouth and not tell the next generation about the blessings that God has done for you. Because that is always the temptation. When we are, when we are blessed, when we are filled, the temptation is for us to take it for ourselves and to not testify about it, to not share about it and keep it for ourselves. And Moses is warning the Israelites and he's saying, do not be tempted to shut your mouth. You need to tell the next generation about all that God has done and the blessings and the goodness of God to the next generation. Because it's the blessings of this world, the white bread of this world that fills us up and causes us to shut our mouths. It's the, the cushy bank account. It's the promotion at work. It's the amount of degrees and letters I have behind my name. It's all those things that make me be quiet. Those things are, are, they're great things. But when they stop us from telling the people about what God did for me, how he set me free, how he saved me, how look where I am now today because he's blessed me, then it becomes a hindrance to us speaking of his goodness to the world. So I'm here, I feel like to inspire us this morning. Like Moses did, as moms and dads in this church, both in the spirit and in the natural, that we are to lift up our voices and make sure that the next generation hears and knows about the goodness of God. Amen. There's this book called um, "Faith for the Exiles," and it was written in. It came out in 2019 by David Kinneman. and. They looked at a Barna research study that lasted 10 years from 2009 to 2019, and they were looking at the longevity of believers over a 10-year span. And there was five different key markers that showed, that contributed to a believer enduring in the faith. So they were looking at people that had left the church, people that had stayed, why had they stayed, what was contributing to them still having a faith over in this culture over the span of 10 years. And one of the five key markers that they that they found was that people who endured in the faith had meaningful intergenerational relationships. They had someone who was pouring into them. They had someone that they were pouring into. And then they were running with people who were peers going through the same thing. How powerful is that? That when we're looking at what is contributing to people staying believers, what is contributing to people not deconstructing, not deconverting, it's people who are walking in multi-generational relationships. That's incredibly powerful and and a key that the church can grab onto to say, wow, this is really important. It's not just about me and, and my relationship with God when I come into this church on a Sunday. It's actually about who is pouring into me and who am I pouring into? Who am I running with? I was, I was sitting talking to one of my close friends and they were, she was struggling in her marriage and she said that she was hanging out with some of her friends and it was like everyone's been struggling. And I said, so who are the people that are doing better in their marriage than you, (laughs) that you can also lean from and glean in? Are you part of the marriage hub? Are you part of the marriage connect groups that Marcello and Jackie are leading? Like, are you walking in community with people who have way better marriages than you? Because you're like, I want that for my life. And then when you get to that place where your marriage is in strength, who are you going to be pouring into and talking about where you were and where God has brought you out of? Like this is this is the powerful stuff. This is where it matters. This is where we get to give our lives away and share in the multi-generational blessings that God has for us. And if we're going to thrive into the future as a church, we need to be keeping this in our minds. We need to be remembering this and being intentional with this. This is why we care so much about kids ministry and we care so much about youth ministry And youth and kids encountering the transforming presence of God. Because just one moment and one encounter with God can change an addiction in a moment. Amen? There's no junior Holy Spirit. And you, uh, in a couple weeks, in two weeks, to end our legacy series, we're actually going to have a panel here on a Sunday instead of our preach. And we're going to, we're calling it Celebration Sunday. And we're going to be sharing we're, you're going to hear from different people, different um, ministries, what God is doing across this body that you might not even have heard of. Because every Monday we have our staff meeting and we do shout outs and testimonies to kick it off. And the testimonies that come through of what God is doing in our community, we're like, the church has to hear about what God is doing. He's moving so powerfully. And so we're going to have a whole celebration Sunday. It's going to be amazing. So don't miss that. That's in two weeks time. But... We can't just assume that the next generation is just going to drift to Jesus. Now he is a magnetizing God in the sense that God will, he will always fulfill his purposes here on this earth with or without us, but there's an invitation for us to step in and partner with him and not just our, like our kids and our youth are not just going to accidentally drift into a relationship with God just because we show up on a Sunday morning or just because we drop him at the door on a Wednesday night it's just not. <laughs> it comes with us working in those multi-generate, multi-generational relationships and evangelizing and discipling that next generation. So the third point is the church is here as a resource, but must never be our outsource. And what I mean by that is this kind of flies in the face of cultural Christianity in America in that I'm going to drop my kid off at church and you're going to raise them up spiritually. And this happens everywhere where, you know, we take them to a counselor because I love counseling. We we're doing counseling right now for one of our kids that we're struggling with connecting with, and we're just trying to work on ourselves connecting really well with, with them. But what I mean by that is it requires us to partner together with the church to see the next generation come up. It's not us neglecting and saying, "Okay, my kid, they're going to hear about Jesus at youth group, so I don't need to do anything else. They've got it. Or they're sitting here on a Sunday morning. They've got it. We cannot outsource our responsibilities to the church or to a counselor or to someone else. It requires us to partner together. There's something beautiful about when we partner and we walk alongside parents. And we hear about what they're struggling with at home. And we say, OK, we'll, we're going to do our part here. It's a short window, but we're going to meet with your student. We're going to connect with them. We're going to walk them through the hard things. Thank you for sharing what you're going through. Let's partner together to see success in your child's life. There's something beautiful about that partnership. But it's, it's here as a resource and can never be an outsource for us to kind of deflect our own responsibilities in our family or in our community. So that means we have to redefine success in the church. Success is succession. Okay, I'm saying that again. Success is succession. Success is legacy. Success is legacy. And we can't pat ourselves on the back about how many butts are in seats. <laughs> it's not about our seating capacity. It's about our sending capacity. Okay? It's about our sending capacity, not our seeding capacity. This is how we can be impactful, is how are we stewarding that generational covenant, that generational blessing where we are being poured into, we are pouring into, and we're running beside other people in the faith. This is so important. Success is not running a sprint. It's not even running a marathon. It's running a relay, okay? It's saying, all right, I've been running hard, but now it's your turn. You got this. Go, go, go. Right? And now I'm just thinking of that imagery in this moment, but a relay, it's like that person, they don't stop and then wait for someone to grab it. They're still running, right? You're still running as you hand it off. So I'm not saying there's an expiration date on you and your calling, but it's, I'm passing it as I'm still running and I'm passing it off to you. Because there's more than enough in the kingdom of God. There's no scarcity in the kingdom. So I want to invite us into this together, okay? To send, to, to empower the next generation as we, as we watch them go and fuel and run and do even greater things in the kingdom than we have ever done. Because our ceiling is, is their floor. So here's how we do this. We have to answer the why. We're going to continue reading in Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. It says when your son asks you in time to come what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you then you shall say to your son we were pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand So one day the generations are going to come to us and they're going to ask us why do we do what we do why do we sing you're worthy of it all why do we gather together why do we do communion Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we pray? Like these are, I know it sounds silly, but these are questions that people have and they're asking, why do we do what we do? And Moses is saying to them, to the Israelites, he's saying, when they come, you're going to tell them we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. So we were not slaves in Egypt, right? We're not slaves in Egypt, but we have been slaves to sin We've been slaves to death. And so when people come, we're here to we're here to remind the people that we were slaves to addiction. We were slaves to lust. We were slaves to death. We were slaves to sin. But God, but God has set us free. But there's a Jesus who set us free. And he's saying, you have to tell the next generation when they come and ask why we do what we do. You have to tell them because I was dead in my sin and Jesus Christ saved me. That's why I do what I do. That's why I worship him. That's why I love him because of that. Amen? Yeah, you can clap for that. We need to be able to tell the next generation not a squeaky, clean, well packaged, well marketed gospel. We need to be able to tell them the truth, even when it's painful, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's countercultural. And what that might look like in your life is that might have that might be a conversation, a brave conversation where you're sitting down with your teenager and you're saying, you know what, your mom was actually not the first woman I slept with. It might look like saying, you know what, I actually didn't get saved when I was seven. It was when I was 23 in college after I went through a deep, dark time and almost took my life. It's, there's a whole generation that's coming up that is desperately longing for the transparency of the people of the church that are looking for vulnerability in wisdom, in wisdom, still walking in wisdom, but that are saying, I don't want just this. Everything's going to be all, everything's going to be all right. Like all the time. Yes, it is. But I want the truth. I want to know that you've been through hard times, but Jesus has set you free. I want to know that. Because I'm, because they're like, I'm going through something hard. I want to know that there's something on the other side for me. That I'm not the problem, you know? One of the most powerful testimonies that you can ever have is in your mouth. And it's how God set you free and redeemed you. Amen? So I want to tell you guys this story. There's this, there was a woman called Ruth. And Ruth had, Two children, two sons. One was about two years old. The other was a baby, a newborn. And on the day that her son William was born, she buried her husband, who was 27. And this was in England in the early 1900s. And Ruth had a hundred acre, Ruth and her husband had a hundred acre farm and apple orchard, which in England back then at the time was a humongous farm. And her husband was only 27 when he died. And so she is here holding her baby completely devastated. I now have to raise these two sons alone. I have this whole farm. What am I going to do? I'm a woman. I'm now a single widow. And she, in her grief, a few weeks later, she goes out to the, the woodshed in her, in her field. And she was contemplating taking her life. And she was devastated and overcome by her grief. And in that moment, a bright light fills this woodshed. And she hears a voice say, I am the father to the fatherless. I'm a husband to the widow. And, I'm, and I have a blessing for you and your children and your children's children. You will be blessed and you will be taken care of. And in that moment, she found God and he promised her that he was going to bless her children and her children's children. And that was the promise to her in that moment. And this story was passed down to her children. And they told their children and they told their children and the generational blessings have come from that family line. And the baby William was my great-grandfather and yeah yes you can give a hand for that there's like a few people who are like should i clap but my grandfather colin who is my dad's dad it was his dad william and his and his mother ruth and that is my family line and ruth her encountering god in that moment and knowing that god is real and telling her children I was in my darkest place, but God met me and he's alive. And he promised that he was going to take care of us and he was going to bless our family. And then he was raised, William was raised to love God. And he took that family spiritual blessing and that, that small little hundred acre farm became over a thousand acre farm in England. One of the largest dairy factory farming farms in all of England, my family farm. And William was an incredibly blessed man, incredibly generous, who loved God with his whole heart. And he instilled that in his five children. And then you have my grandfather, Colin, who from that generational line, also blessed, loved the Lord with his whole heart, was a missionary in Nigeria for 20 years, now lives here, still an incredible Man who passed that on to my dad and to Hannah and my cousins, dad Murray, and then to us. And now I get to pass that on to my little kids who sat there right at the front I mean this is this is what God means when he said I'm the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he's saying I'm the God of the generations and I have a blessing for you in my covenant because I love you and this covenant will not be broken because it's an everlasting covenant a blessing and grace and you like I said earlier you may not have that kind of family lineage and inheritance in the kingdom but it starts with you And if you don't even have children of your own, find people that you can father and mother because that is what God is calling us to, to be a generational people who don't just hold it for ourselves, but actually give it away in and create a legacy until the whole world knows the glory of God. Amen. So that's what I want to encourage us. Catch the fire, family, church, that we begin to run alongside people. We begin to find people who can father and mother us, people that have, we look at their marriage and we're like, wow, they're, they have an amazing marriage. I want to get to know them. Wow, look at how amazing their kids have turned out. I have young kids. I want to know what they've done. I want to learn from them and glean from them and get out of this individualistic culture and say, I actually need you. I need you. It does take a village. It does. And then who can we look to Pouring into it's a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice for a mom of four children to get up and go to a coffee shop at 8am in the morning. That is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for a parent who works or for, um, let's say someone who works at a law office 80 hours a week to finish and then go and go to a connect group on a Tuesday night. It's a sacrifice, but there's something about we can't afford to do life alone. We can't afford it. You know, there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven that are cheering us on, the people that have gone before us. And that's what's on the line with the future is the great cloud of witnesses that are going to come after us. That's what's on the line. And we can't afford not to partake in community together and the multi-generational blessing of God. Let's stand. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much, God, that you are a covenant God. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is who you are. Thank you that you have invited us into your family through Jesus, that we now get to be co-heirs with Christ and partake in this incredible inheritance that you have for us and for those that love you. And I ask, God, that this morning you would... You would burn our hearts for what burns in yours, Lord. That we would be a people that don't just run alone, but we would be a people that run in community with one another, that give our life away to the people around us, to the next generation, God, that we don't just hold on to the blessings you have for us, but we actually speak of and tell of that blessing to the next generation, Lord. Would you give us... Just the eyes to see who you're maybe highlighting in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. People that we can can join in community together with, Lord. And I just felt like I wanted to take a moment. And if you feel like you need to repent to God for any way that you've closed your mouth, you've kept it to yourself. And you felt like, I can do this alone. (laughs) Why don't we just... Say sorry to the Lord for a moment. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for any way that I've shut my mouth. And I haven't spoken of your goodness. I haven't spoken of your blessings, Lord. I haven't told that the next generation of your goodness, Lord. Would you forgive me? I felt, too, just to share that there, there's some people where You're just in the midst of the busyness of life and you're just having passing conversations with your kids or with people about, about God. And I just felt like God was saying like, it matters. Even the small moments, even in the moments in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line where your kid asks you about, (laughs) is our house built on the rock (laughs) or those small moments where they say, I want to be Baptized and you have an amazing conversation all about baptism. Like those moments matter. Or the moments where maybe you work late and you come home and your kids are asleep. And you just go in and you lay your hands on them while they're sleeping. I just want to encourage you that those moments matter. That those are not small moments. That God, he doesn't need five hours in the morning of your time. It's just partnering with him in the small moments to see big fruit and big reward. So thank you, God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfrali.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.